0: I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. I thought how, as the day had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled a long thunderous unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And then in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep, God is not dead, nor doth He sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail with peace on earth, goodwill to men. Till ringing, singing on its way... The world revolved from night to day, a voice, a chime, a chant sublime of peace on earth, goodwill to men. The video was, the soundtrack was from 1968-69. Simon and Garfunkel did a silent night dubbed over the 7 o'clock news. And I'm not sure how much that you could hear, but the 60s were a very, very difficult time in America As were the 70s, as were the 80s, as were the 90s, and as is this decade and new decade that we're about to begin. Where's the peace? What's the answer to all that's going on in the world today? We're facing an election next year, and I'm certain that the Democrats believe that President Obama is the answer. And I'm just as certain that the Republicans, though they've not decided who is the answer, believe that they are the answer and I am absolutely certain neither one is Amen. and we will not learn that lesson that the answer to what men and women are looking for the answer to war the answer to poverty the answer to hunger the answer to violence the answer to all that goes on in our world is the Lord Jesus Christ Amen. in Ephesians chapter 2 if you want to go ahead and turn that's where we are going to be talking from tonight there's a great verse that we've touched on at least twice in the last four or five weeks. A very familiar passage of Scripture. In fact, one of these will be your Scripture memories. These two verses will be Scripture memory for you in 2012, come up next year. In verse number 8 and 9, it's a very familiar verse. And Paul reminds the church at Ephesus and reminds us and says this. For by grace you have been saved through faith, in verse 8. And that, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. That's what our sister experienced recently. She experienced the, the gift of God, God's amazing grace. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. Not baptism, not going to church, not giving money. Not of works, lest any man should boast. And then, here's this powerful verse that we don't always hear. For we are His workmanship. Do you remember what that word translates the Greek? We are His, say it with me, masterpiece we are his masterpiece when god when we received jesus christ as savior then we became a masterpiece of god we are a new creation of god god makes us new and we hang in his gallery of grace that we are created a wonderful masterpiece and watch it says this created for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we are His masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for the good works that He's called us to do. You see, we are His hands. We are His feet. We are the ones that make a difference like Todd did in a lady's life five, three hundred feet underground. We are His mouthpiece, His hands, His feet. We are His masterpieces. So after Paul's said that to the church at Ephesus. He started then, and we're going to try to cover all eight verses here, not a lot of commentary tonight, but it's so important. Because he starts out in verse number 11 and then says this. Now listen. So then, remember. So then, remember. You know, we talk about this thing called communion, the Lord's Supper, whatever name you give it tonight, when, when we'll take a piece of small piece of compressed bread and some grape juice and we'll put it in our hands and we will eat that piece of bread and, th- and then we'll take that juice and we'll drink that juice. And that all happened 2,100 years ago in an upper room right before, right before the Lord Jesus Christ was crucified. And he said, guys, you, know, you don't understand everything that's going to happen tonight, but I want to give you something that's going to help you remember what's about to happen. Because you see, that little piece of bread, He says, that's my body. And it's going to be broken on an old rugged cross. They're going to take me and they're going to beat me to where I barely look human. And they're going to take me and nail me to an old rugged cross. And the amazing part is, is that that should be you. Because you're the one who have sinned, not I. But I'm taking your place on the cross. My body is going to be broken so your body doesn't have to be. And then the juice. He said, oh, this is the most important part. He said, he said, the juice represents a new covenant in my blood. A new covenant with God. Because the Bible teaches that the wages of sin is death, and that without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission, no taking away of sin. And when Jesus Christ died that down the cross, God's masterpiece plan was fulfilled, and He died and shed His blood, that we could have forgiveness of sin." No other religion talks about this. Every other religion, no matter the name of it, every other religion besides Christianity talks about works. There's a giant scale, and you've got to make sure you've got enough good to outweigh your bad. And in the taste of Islam, if Allah smiles on you with your good works, then perhaps you can go to heaven. Only Christianity says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. He said, remember that. Remember that. And then he goes into, and so funny, you know, have you ever noticed you get a new car and for the first three, four, five months, all you can talk about what you want to tell people about is your new car, your new car, and you take it down, you pay the $8 at the car wash, and you get your car all cleaned up and shiny, and you're so proud of your new car. Until about a year later. Or less, if it gets its first good ding. And all of a sudden, you're not quite as proud. In fact, that new car, because now they finance it for seven years, about year five, when you're still upside down and you're alone, that car becomes a burden to you. And you hear something like, I wish I never had the car. Marriages. You ask this lady to marry Sir, you ask this lady to marry you? You think she's the berries? You think that she hung the moon? And for the first two or three years, yeah, and then sometime later, the marriage goes south and you're saying, why did I ever choose her? Or why she would say, why did he ever choose me? Isn't it funny how with time, we, remem- we don't remember what was so good about the first few days? With the first few days why is it over time we, we forget how good it felt to have the new car? How it felt to have a wife who loved us or a husband who loved us or children that loved us? Time does that. Jesus knew that. And that's why He said, I'm going to give you something to remember by because you're going to forget your tendency... Church, hear me. Your tendency is going to be forget the amazing grace that you've experienced. Because you're going to say, God, I want this. And God, I want that. And God, why won't you give me this? And God, give me that. You're going to forget I've already given you the greatest gift. And that's Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ. The ground is level at the cross. Every one of us has experienced grace. To the same degree. It's not the black guy or the white guy or the rich guy or the poor guy that gets greater amounts of God's grace. All of us were lost in our way to hell. And then God in His amazing grace invites us into His family to receive His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. So Paul says, remember that at one time you were Gentiles, this is verse 11, you were Gentiles in the flesh. Okay? You are, you're a Gentile. Outside of God and outside of the nation of Israel. Called the uncircumcised by those who were circumcised. Which is done in the flesh by human hands. Let me kind of put a spell on that for you. The Jews were God's chosen people. I need to tell you though that any Jew that makes it to heaven comes by faith in Jesus Christ as Messiah. Just because you're a Jew, you don't get a free ride to heaven, okay? You, you got to have Jesus Christ. But they were God's chosen people. And they flaunted it. Not that the church ever would. Not that the church ever would. They flaunted it. And they looked at the Gentiles, whom, according to the Old Testament, they were called to be a blessing. They were called to reveal God to the Gentile world. And you know what they did? You uncircumcised dogs! So, so you had the Gentiles outside of God, and God's chosen people looking down their nose at them. And that's what Paul is saying. You are called the uncircumcised by those who were circumcised. Those who were chosen, God's chosen people are condemning you and calling you uncircumcised. Look at verse number 12. You, Paul says, don't you forget this. Church, tonight, don't you forget this. As you enter 2012, don't you forget this. When you take the juice and the bread, don't you forget this. At that time, you were without the Messiah. You were without Jesus Christ. Excluded from the citizenship of Israel. You weren't even allowed into the family of God in the sense of being a Jew. I mean, that didn't get you to heaven, but at least you were part of God's chosen people. You were excluded from that fellowship. You were foreigners to the covenants of the promise. All the covenants and the promises that God made to Israel, you couldn't claim them. No, sir. Not without the Messiah. In fact, he says you were without hope. Your life without Jesus Christ, you were hopeless. Say hopeless. You're hopeless. You had no hope. And the ultimate culmination of that is you are without God, folks. That's what God, that's what Paul wants to remember. You've got to remember what life was like before Jesus. I don't care if you're six years old and you were born in the nursery. Somehow you've got to reach back and understand and realize that you are a reprobate against God. You are depraved. You had nothing to bring to God. And you were on your way on a fast track to hell. But God in His amazing grace looked past your wealth or your poverty or your skin color or even your sin through His Son Jesus Christ. Forgave your sin and let you into the family of God. And that's what this is all about. That's what this is all about. Paul says, don't forget where you were in us. I'm going to tell you, we're so good at this. I'm convinced that some members of this church get up in the morning and say, God, aren't you blessed to have me on your side? We forgot what God has done for us. Instead, we spent our time telling God what we've done for Him. Verse 13. But now, Paul says, in Christ Jesus. Say that. In Christ Jesus, because of Jesus Christ, because you are in the fold of Jesus Christ, you who were far away, alienated from God, have been brought near how? By the blood, by the cross of the Messiah. See, there's no horns to toot. You can't can't break break out your religious horn and start tooting to God how good you were. Because it says you were far away and you were only brought near. How? By the blood. Not because you were so worthy. Not because you were worth so much in the sense that here's God, I bring this to pay for my salvation. You had nothing to bring. All you could bring was simple childlike faith and look down at the baby and ultimately the cross I say, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe that when you died, you died for me. And I believe that when they put you in that grave, that the grave could not hold you. In fact, three days later, you busted out of jail. Come on now. You busted out of jail. And then you ascended back to the Father and you're making intercession. You're on my side right now before the Father in heaven. And Jesus, one day, you're coming back. One day, you are coming back again. And the next, this time He comes, He won't come as a baby. He's coming as the reigning King of kings and coming as the Lord of lords. But now in Christ Jesus, you are far away, have been brought near by the blood of the Messiah. Here it is. For He is our That's why I said, that's why I said Jesus is the answer to poverty. That's why I said Jesus is the answer to hunger. That's why I said Jesus is the answer to broken marriages. Jesus is the answer to addictions. Because He is our peace who has made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility. Jesus came and put the Jew and the Gentile on equal footing by God's grace. He tore down that wall. Isn't that cool? Now, just think about it for a moment. You had two groups that despised each other. But by God's amazing grace, He brought them together as one. Faith in the Messiah? Faith in the Messiah. God's amazing grace? God's amazing grace. Believing in the blood? Believing in the blood. Believing on the cross? Believing on the cross. And if God can take a self-righteous Jew and break him down and let him see his need for a Savior, if, if God can take a reprobate Gentile, hopelessly lost, like a, Gentile, a Jewish brother, hopelessly lost, and break him down and bring them together, I've got a stinking suspicion that God can solve any problem you've got in your life. If He can bring enemies together, then He can heal broken hearts. He can heal broken marriages. He can even help badgers to get along. He is our peace who made both groups, Jew and Gentile, one, and tore down the dividing wall of hostility. In His flesh, He made of no effect the law consisting of commands expressed in regulations, so He might create Himself one new man from the two resulting peace. See, He fulfilled the law. You see... Now now, don't misunderstand what it's and say. But there's some people around saying, I want to be under the law. Friend, the law is not your friend. You know what the law did? The law said, You are a sinner, and I'm going to show you how much of a sinner you are. The law condemned you. Grace saved you. And he fulfilled the law. A law that has lost people without grace we could never fulfill. You couldn't keep the law. And, and God's Word says, if you offend in one part, you're guilty of all. So here comes Jesus, fulfilling the law. Fulfilling the law. So we said in Galatians chapter 4 verse 4, you know, in the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law. How powerful. How powerful. He says this, one new man, verse 16, He did this so that He might reconcile, stay reconciled both to God in one body. He brought the religious Jew and He brought the reprobate Gentile and reconciled them to God in one body. How? For by grace you have been saved. The Jew is the sinner, the Gentile is a the sinner. They both need forgiveness and that's exactly what Jesus Christ provided on the old rugged cross. And Paul says, don't forget this. Don't forget this. This is so important. You know, You've seen the buttons. You see the bumper stickers. Jesus is the reason for this. I mean, we all go duh. We, I mean, we Christians go duh. Well, can I duh you back tonight? Because I'm telling you, we don't remember what Jesus Christ did for us. The main thing is the cross. The main thing is if God never did a single more thing for you than save you from hell, it would be more than enough. You are one blessed dude or dudette if you've experienced the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. He may choose to bless you more. But we've got to get over God didn't do it for me. We've got to get over God didn't give me and say, God, You've already done it for me. You've already given me. You've given me eternal life. See, if I'm real good, and I'm not, I might make it to 80. If I stay on my cholesterol medicine, and if I stay on the blood pressure medicine, and if I stay away from pecan pie and fried chicken, I might just make 80. But what is 80 to compare it to 10,000? Times 10,000, times 10,000, times 10,000. What is 80 compared to heaven? And we get all worked up because God didn't play Santa Claus in our lives for the last 25 years of our lives. Well, God is going to be a wonderful Santa Claus in a place called heaven. We're going to walk on the streets of gold. We're going to have a city where the walls are built of 12 foundations with 12 gates, each one from one gigantic pearl. Listen, heaven's coming, but not now. Heaven's coming, but not now. Let God be God in our lives here and be thankful for what He has done already in your salvation experience. And by the way, most of us have a whole lot to be thankful for. One trip to Haiti, Tim, will let you see that. The Haiti folks don't worry about what model Cadillac can we get next year. They might be lucky to have a pair of shoes that they can wear. One trip to West Africa will convince you how blessed we are. He said, well, Dwayne, I'm not in West Africa or Haiti. That's why you ought to be thanking God right now. It's by His grace you're calling yourself an American and living in this great nation That we do. He did so that He might reconcile both to God in one body, through the cross, and put the hostility to death by it. When Jesus came, when the Messiah came, He proclaimed the good news of peace to you who are far away and peace to those who were near. When Jesus came, He brought good news. And the good news is, that any man, any woman, or any child can come to a relationship with God if they'll trust Jesus Christ as Savior. You know, some people like to say, Steve, that, that the Christianity is narrow because Jesus made this audacious claim that I am the way, the truth, and life and no man comes to the Father but by Me. How narrow-minded! No, how broad! Because He says, whoever, any man, black, white, green, yellow, rich, poor... Chinese, German, American, it doesn't matter. He invites people into the family to trust his son and ultimately on the cross and have forgiveness of sins. The good news of peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him, we both have access by one Spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer, say, I am no longer. I am no longer foreigners or strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household. Let your byword be tonight. I am no longer. Come on, church. I am, no, I am no longer on a pathway that leads to hell. I am no longer far away from God. I am no longer on a path of destruction. I have been set free. And that's every person who's for their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Now, that's just plumb incredible. Then, all these nit noise, all these little details, all the things we think are just so important, just won't matter. Let's see if I can get an amen on this. And then maybe, just maybe, we'll have money to give to Lottie. Jim, you didn't use your line. We need a lot of money for Lottie. Maybe then we'll reach that $40,000 goal and send missionaries to tell a lost world out there that there is a man in Jesus who loves them Amen. and died for them. And maybe, no one will have money, maybe we'll have time and energy to tell others what Jesus Christ has done. That, that our hope... Can be their hope. Maybe. Just maybe. No longer. No longer foreigners or strangers. But fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household. I suppose it doesn't work with the car illustration. Because truth is, cars get old and they're just not as much fun. And don't say that about your wife. (laughs) Because I'm going to use that illustration. I'm telling you. If we could just remember the man, the woman that we married and why we married them and live that out every day, think it would change the marriages? hmm. Sure would. Do you think just maybe if we could remember what Jesus did for us? Blake, if you could remember what happened on the couch that day? If I could remember what happened in a pastor's office thirty six years ago in Valdosta, Georgia? Land, where, where were you actually saved at? Where were you at? Where, where were you actually saved at? When did Jesus come here? Was it underground or right here in the church, in Brent's office? Both. Both, amen. It was a spread out affair. Please just remember what happened that day. And just keep the fire burning. Keep the fire burning. We will never be the same. So what's you going to write on the card tonight? What's your bow going to say? What are you going to put down? What we're going to do is we're going to have Val and, and Nita and those guys come up here in just a minute. And I'm going to give you a minute. And there's, I know, and I tell you what, here's the deal. It's not important even that you write it. But I'm going to give you a moment. I'm going to bow. You know, we're going to bow our heads thing and they're going to play real softly. And then I want you to, um, to either write down physically or, okay, God, just, just for Him anyway, God, this is what the card says. In my heart, this is what the card says. What are you going to give Him tonight? How are you going to say thank you for, for by grace you have been saved through faith. How are you going to say thank you? What are you going to give Him in 2012 that says thank you? And then, when you're ready, and there is no hurry, when you're ready, now someone's going to have to break the ice, by the way, so one of you guys plan on breaking the ice, someone needs to have to stand up, they're going to bring their card, and they're going to lay it right there. And then you can go to the tables, so our deacons will be there waiting on you, and you can get your elements. And then we'll come back, and after everyone's had a chance to come and lay their card down and get their elements, then we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to remember. Amen? Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name we come to you. Gosh, Father, I praise your name tonight. I really do. Father, I just praise you. I remember tonight. I remembered, Father, that I was lost. I was the biggest hypocrite in Faith Baptist Church, leading to worship and a foreigner and a stranger to You, singing words that I had no right to sing, testifying words that were a lie. And in Your grace, You reached down and You saved me. And I want to thank You tonight for that. And God, when I'm tempted to pout because I don't get what I want, You help me to remember what I got already. And help me to be thankful. Father, as we think of cards and fill out cards and get ready to receive the Lord's Supper. Father, I want to pray in Jesus' name that you'll be honored and glorified. And we love you to God. We just love you. And we praise you, Jesus. And ask in your name. And y'all you want know, to do something. I want to keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. Because I know we got some guests tonight. You may be you may be me, you may be a member of Dorsville Baptist Church. And you realize you've got nothing to remember. And you know, there's no magic words in a prayer, but, but sometimes saying a prayer expresses what happened like in Matthew's life when Jesus walked up to a guy named Matthew and said, hey, come follow me. And, and He did. And He did. Maybe tonight there's someone here who wants to do just what the did not too long ago. He said, God, I know I'm a sinner. But I believe You died for me. And I believe that you'll forgive me if I ask you to. I believe you're the Son of God and you died and you resurrected. And I want to follow you for the rest of my life. Maybe there's someone. And I want to pray that prayer with you. You want to pray it out loud. You can pray it right there in your heart. But maybe tonight, your gift to God will be your heart. Your life. If you need to pray this prayer, want to pray this prayer, if you want to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior tonight, With your heart, meaning all your heart, just pray with me. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know I've sinned against you and others. But tonight, Jesus, as I've heard the good news, tonight I believe you are the Son of God. And I believe that you died in my place. You paid the price for my sin. And I believe they buried you. But you did come back to life. And that you are now in heaven. And one day you're coming back. And God, I don't have answers to all my questions. But I believe that. And tonight, I'm asking you to forgive my sins. To come into my life. To be my Savior, my forgiver, and my new boss. I choose to follow you. And Jesus, I pray this in your name. Amen. With your head bowed and your eyes still closed, not going to ask you to raise your hands or nothing like that. But you heard the testimony. ain't told somebody. If you prayed that prayer tonight and you asked Jesus in your heart, would you tell somebody? Tell me. Tell the person you're with. Tell your husband. Tell your wife. Tell your banker, tell the guy down at the gas station, hey, I became a Christian. I followed Jesus Sunday night.